The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 12th chapter. The Gospel is printed on the back of your bulletin or you can follow along in your pew Bible on page 792. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him or his companions to eat, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and yet are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Word of God, word of life. You may be seated. Our preaching text this morning comes to us from the book of Hebrews chapter 9. That's also printed in your bulletins if you'd prefer to follow along in your pew Bibles, page 975. Starting with verse 1 of chapter 9. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly sanctuary, for a tent was constructed. The first one in which were the lampstand, the table, and the bread of the presence, this is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a tent called the Holy of Holies. In it stood the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold in which there were a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's rod that had budded and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of all these things we cannot speak now in detail. Such preparations having been made, the priests go continually into the first tent to carry out their ritual duties, but only the high priest goes into the second, and he but once a year, and not without taking the blood that he offers for himself and for the sins committed unintentionally by the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the sanctuary has not yet been disclosed as long as the first tent is still standing. This is a symbol of the present time, during which gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various baptisms, regulations for the body imposed until the time comes to set things right. But when Christ comes as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of his creation. He entered once for all into the holy place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls, with the sprinkling of ashes of a heifer, sanctifies those who have been defiled, so that their flesh is purified, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to worship the living God. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
These are your words, O Lord. Your word is the truth. Lead us into the truth. Amen. So can I tell you this morning something that I've learned about myself in recent years? I have learned that I seem to have a chronic problem. And that chronic problem is with breaks. And I especially have a problem with breaks when I go on vacation. I remember a vacation about eight years ago when I was getting ready to leave our resort in Walker and suddenly realized I could push the brake pedal of the motorhome all the way down to the floorboards. And a quick look underneath revealed a rusty brake line leading to the rear wheel. So I made a phone call, called my mechanic. He said, well, just crimp the line with a vice grip. You can make it home on your front brakes and he'd fix the whole thing the next week. Great. Four years ago, I had a major brake problem with that same motorhome um, in the Black Hills. But we managed to get a mechanic out to the campground who could fix it, and we made it safely home. And all it cost me was some money. This year, this, if you can believe it, I had brake problems again over the 4th of July, this time with my truck. During our stay on Sock Lake near Sock Center, we decided, uh, we'd been out having fun for a couple of days, uh, but I decided to trailer the boat because it was, it was gonna rain for the next day, day and a half. I thought, let's get the boat on the trailer, cover it up, it'll be fine. But just as soon as we got the boat back to the cabin and, and uh, tucked it in by the garage, I realized that now the truck breaks. The pedal went all the way to the floor. Looked underneath, sure enough, it was leaking brake fluid. And uh, that was a rusted brake line that was leaking too. And until that got fixed, I wasn't gonna be able to pull any more trailers. So now I did find a mechanic in Sock Center who could help me in a couple of days. But in the meantime, the boat, here I am at the lake, the boat is just parked there in the driveway, torturously close to the lake, like a hundred feet away from the lake. The sun came out, the boat stayed there in the driveway. Couldn't get out and use it and have fun. Um, I needed access, right? I needed access to brakes. I needed access to a mechanic. I needed access to the boat launch. But I couldn't get any of it. Not then in that moment, at least. The access was denied. And today's reading from Hebrews chapter 9 is about access as well. But not access to brakes or mechanics or boat launches. And access to something much more important, of much greater consequence. It's about access to God. Access to God. Can we find God? Can God find us? Or is there some sort of barrier, is there some sort of obstacle that keeps from that, that higher power from being at work in our lives and in the universe? That, that was an important question 5,000 years ago when God's people were worshiping God in a portable sanctuary called the tabernacle. It was an important question 2,000 years ago when the book of Hebrews was written, and it's an important question for us now. You see, I know we've made a lot of technological progress. Communication technologies are probably the best they've ever been. We travel through space, and it's amazing. We've not only been to the moon, we've sent probes 
to the edges of our solar system and beyond. We have gadgets and gizmos that make our lives easier. We can access information with these devices in our pockets in seconds, right? When we need help, we call 911 and it comes at blazing speeds um, with the ability to correct all kinds of problems um, with our hearts and our brains and other important stuff too, better than any time in human history. And yet, spiritually, our problem remains the same as it has always been. Do we matter to the God who is behind all that we can see? Do we matter to the creator of the universe? Do we measure up to his standards? Can we approach him without fear? Right? Now, I know that some people have dealt with that question by saying God doesn't really exist at all. That it's all just a bunch of made-up mumbo-jumbo and that we're really all alone in the universe. Right? And there might be times when you can see the appeal of that. Right? No God means I don't need to measure whether I, I don't need to worry whether I measure up to God's standards because, well, apparently God doesn't exist at all. But I can't accept that kind of possibility. I suspect you can't either. There's, there's too much in my life and in the lives of the faithful that have come before me that point me to the existence of God. And when I hear stories about this one named Jesus who claimed to be God's son, when I hear stories about his death and resurrection, stories of people willing to die on his behalf because of their belief in who he is and who he was, I'm convinced that my life also finds meaning and purpose in the name of Jesus Christ, along with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit as well. Now we'll come back to Jesus in a moment. I want to come back to this idea, though, of access. If we can't appease our need to approach God with peace by saying, well, God doesn't exist at all, then we'll need some other way to know that we can access God, that, that when we approach, we approach with confidence and peace. And Hebrews chapter 9 talks about this. It talks about how God's people did this very thing way back in the days of the Old Testament, in the days when God's people were traveling nomads after their exodus from Egypt, but before their entrance into the promised land, they were commanded by God to set up a mobile place of worship called the tabernacle. It was a tent. And in the center of that tent was an inner tent called the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And the Ark was this large wooden box that was carried from place to place by the priests, where they kept the Ten Commandments, where the very presence of God was said to be found. And no one could touch the Ark because it was holy. And when the Ark was the center of that tabernacle in the Holy of Holies, no one could enter that inner tent. The people couldn't enter, the priests couldn't enter, only the high priest the one appointed by the community, could enter. And even he only entered once a year and never dared enter without blood. He first offered sacrifices for his own sin and the sins of his family. Then he offered sacrifice for the sins of the people. The ritual was a great gift to the people. They were terrified that God was angry with them, that their failures made God full of wrath. But because blood was offered on their behalf, they had peace in some form. But, says the author of Hebrews, they didn't have access. The whole process shows just how inaccessible God was 
to these people. Something new was needed. The tabernacle, nor its less portable brick-and-mortar version called the temple, were never meant to be permanent, says the author of Hebrews. This system of the high priest entering the Holy of Holies once a year was only meant to give the people just enough peace to keep going until a great high priest came named Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus didn't need to approach God with a sacrifice for his own sins because he was without sin. And the sacrifice he offered, his very self, was not a sacrifice that needed to be offered again and again or year after year. It only needed to be offered once for all. Jesus' death is his entrance into the cosmic holy of holies and his blood offers forgiveness for all. And not only that, his death opens access to God to everyone. Both Matthew chapter 27, Mark chapter 15 record Jesus' death as being immediately followed by the curtain of the temple being torn in two. That curtain is the curtain of the inner tent, the barrier between the people and the holy of holies, the presence of God, right? Torn from top to bottom. We have access to God through Jesus, through his death. And I would say, more importantly, God has access to us, to our lives. There's no place we can go to flee from God. In the depths of trouble, in the depths of famine, or poverty, or shame, or grief, or anger, loneliness, even death itself, no place now is void of God's presence. Which is a little scary, I suppose, right? Unless there's something that can cleanse us from that guilty conscience which makes us fear God. And Christ provides that too. He is a better high priest than has ever come before because he approaches God without sin. He offers his very self as the sacrifice for our sins. He tears the curtain temple in two so that we might approach God without barrier. And he forgives us again and again so that we might approach God, that God might approach us, and we need not fear. And so people of God, I urge you this morning to receive Christ once again today without fear. To approach the throne of God with confidence in his loving presence. Whether, whether this is your first time in this sanctuary or the 10,000th. Receive Christ today. This one who has died on your behalf. That you might have access to God. That you might be forgiven. That you might be free to serve him with your whole life. Access in this world isn't the same for everyone. We don't all have the same access to health care. We don't all have the same access to education. We don't all have the same access to any number of resources. And we should work in this world to change that. We should never be comfortable with the lack of equity that exists in our world. But even as we labor to change such things, let us rejoice in the power of Christ, the greatest high priest that we all would have access to God. Amen.